Hey, this is Crossfade, the dueling album review show about expanding your musical horizons. My name's Matt Helgis, and I'm the host, and I'm joined with Jason Davnis. What's up, Jason? Uh, not a whole lot, Matt. That was some really, really functional, positive energy on that intro. I was trying to be functional and positive. That's, <laughs> that's what I go for. Um, but yeah, no, so we're we're actually not doing albums. This is another one of our, we're trying some different stuff, and this was inspired by me a while back finding a treasured old iPod 60 gig, mm-hmm. the old classic, the classic with the wheel. Um which has been fun, though, Jason, I have to say, there's been a tragedy. Oh, no. And this show is going to be now Matt, no. informed by loss as well as, as joy. <laughs> um, literally, now, <laughs> we, so, all right, I'm going to back up. The idea Jason had, which I think is really fun, he's like, he found his old iPad, or iPod, I found my old iPod, we were just going to shuffle, do the first five songs that get, you know, spit out, um, which I did. But I think that was like the last gasp of life of my iPod. Because <laughs> oh now my it's, God. Do you remember when you used to plug it in and get this weird, like, kind of like jagged battery yeah. thing? That meant it crashed. And I tried doing the old, like, press the center button and menu mm-hmm. uh, reset thing. But I'm trying to revive it. But it, I don't know. That might have been like its, its, its last gift to us was spitting out wow, these five yeah. songs that are going to make up my portion of this podcast. I, um, I, didn't so, know it was, I didn't know it was already in hospice, but I'm so glad that it stuck around for one last bout. <laughs> Just one last bit of content oh, it gave man. us in its life of so much content. Well, thank you, um, Matt's old iPod. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, it had been in a drawer for probably like a decade at least, and it actually turned on. So it's pretty impressive. I'll put in a 21 gun salute sound effect here. Exactly. Exactly. RIP. Um, but you know, we're not giving up yet. We're, we still, we're seeing some specialists. There's, they feel like there's some experimental modern modern, uh, medicine, you know, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, so I hope yours is good. Um, but yeah, this should be interesting. This is man. Like if you want to go back to the early two thousands, this is the show for you. It's yeah, a very, uh, yeah, man. A good little, uh, time capsule of stuff that I was listening to and Jason was listening to. Um, I felt like mine turned out like pretty representative in a lot of ways of stuff I was listening okay. to. Oddly. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about yours. Uh, we're going to start with Jason's picks. Um, well, not picks shuffle. Um, so we're starting <laughs> off with a, uh, with a, uh, an artist I'm not familiar with. And it's interesting. You had it billed as Marie, Marina and the Diamonds. Mm-hmm. Better than that. On Spotify now, it's just Marina. So yes. has there been the Diamonds Erasure? Is there that has, what's going on? There has been a little bit. It was never like a band project. It was Marina Diamandis is her name. Uh, and she went by Marina and the Diamonds as a performing name. And then eventually turns in her career and she started producing, excuse me, writing and producing her own music or more of it anyway. And she decided to go by Marina, and now she officially just goes by Marina. So um, she sort of like retroactively, the way that you can do in the modern era, just started branding her albums with just right. Marina. So in yeah. all caps as well. In all caps, it's the mononymous uh, thing that's so hot with the kids these days. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, it's better than that from her 2015, I think, album fruit or 2014, maybe fruit. Uh, it's not a track that I listened to a bunch, so I don't think it's based on like frequency of play or anything. But it is one that oh, I've heard no. because that album is uh, is one that I did get a lot of spins for me. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure bit? the the old iPods was like a straight, honest, just randomized shuffle. I think I don't think yeah. there was any anything going on like that. We no. should talk more about this this form in a bit. Uh, can I play a little bit of better than that? Yeah, I, I um I was not familiar with this, but I, I kind of I dig this song. I'm glad you did. Uh, Let's listen to a little and see how folks feel about it. Here is Better Than That by Marina. 
Why is that reminding me of something? Like Florence and the Machine a little bit, but yeah, yeah, not it, quite. It's part of that era, you know, when mm-hmm. like alternative rock and rock radio started shifting toward a retro groovy-ish sound, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a little like that kind of retro soul stuff from back then. Mm-hmm. See, the chorus is what makes this song, I think. Yes. See, this is where I got really on board with this song. It's like, this is a good, this is a nice chorus. Are they still, uh, or she, still a uh, going concern? Like, putting out new stuff? Yeah, I forget her most recent work, but I did see her in 2019. She came by Minneapolis to the Orpheum, which is a weird place to see an artist like that. You sit down in the middle of an auditorium instead of, like, concert-style standing. But anyway, uh, and she played stuff from her, re- uh, as, as of then, recent release i forget what it was even called because to be frank yes she's still making music and she's still you know putting it out and still making music that people are listening to but it's it kind of she's she doesn't have the name that she used to have sort of thing um i don't think she's getting the same kind of play i don't know if she's getting the same kind of record deals but she is in the producing and she's like sustaining herself it's not as frequent anymore as she used to do i don't know if she's touring as much either but um, okay, the, the background. Well, this is, is going to be the start of the comeback right here. Yes, we, uh, you heard it first. Restarting her career. Marina is back, baby. <laughs> the, cro- uh, the crossfade bump, as they call it in the music business, <laughs> it um, happens sometimes. Um, there's yeah, background. There's a little bit of background to this. The album that came before this was called Electra Heart. I don't know if you ever heard that. It kind of made waves in the like uh, among young women, the Tumblr space, because it was like sort of a she adopted this character called electra heart that was like representative or lampooning of feminine archetypes and traits of like you know there's the track about being a, a bitch there's a track about being a pr- oh, prima donna okay. record teen idol all that kind of stuff so she put on this character and apparently like it really killed her for a long time to do that um and it got really really popular in certain spheres and it was a success oh. and it sort of like helped launch her career in the mainstream okay uh, but she came to resent it a little bit so when this album came out it was like i'm gonna write my own music Gonna okay, she's kind of stuck in this like, yeah, kiss like character type thing or something. Kind of, kind of. So um, this album okay, is a nice interesting. Change. It's discoy. It's funky. It's yeah. This is a good one. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think it sounds that dated. If it just came out now, I don't think it would be. But I do like the choruses. This That's good. Mm-hmm. It um, is. She's a yeah, good Marina. Good stuff. Um, not familiar. Um, hope hope uh, you know. Hope Marina's doing well. Check her out. Hope the, I hope the diamonds are doing well. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if the diamonds they all just scattered. They just haven't been the same. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're gonna have like a thing like you know in a movie where like they're all scattered and like one's like living on a ranch in wyoming and like one's <laughs> in a flop house in new york and they all got to reunite to like save a youth time, center time for one last job it's one last gig yeah marina like the, basically the, the blues brothers yeah they take, gonna, they marina will this the pager off of their belt loop and it says marina on it and they think <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, yeah yeah i know yeah because they live in a place that only has like a, an old like payphone at a sort of a dusty one, desert one uh, cell phone like, tower. <laughs> uh, no, like a dusty desert gas station. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, anyway, so that's that's what the future holds for Marine and the Diamonds. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's move on to the future of this segment, which is now this is a band. I, me- I remember them from back in the day. I like this band, especially. I don't think it was this record, but it was another record. And um, Screaming Females. Mm-hmm. Uh, this holds up really well for me. I remember liking them a lot. They uh, they recorded with Steve Albini, who's a producer I like a lot. Mm. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, this band was great. I totally it was one of those bands that I saw it pop up. I'm like, damn, I remember Screaming Females. And this, I thought yeah. this still sounds awesome to me, this song, Ripe. Okay, here it is. Yeah, this is, uh, I love this. Their riffs are almost like power metal, and yet with like this punk edge. I, I really like everything I've heard from this band. Yeah, no, they're they're interesting. They're very catchy riffs, and yeah, it's like they. I know what you mean about the metal. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the notes are metal, but the feel is not metal in some way. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, what is her name? Mar- Marissa Paternoster. I'm probably fucking mm-hmm. up that name, but the vocalist slash guitarist. I know that she's gotten a lot of praise for her style specifically of playing. How, like, this is pretty distinctively screaming females, at least in, like, the punk space. Yeah, you know, and I actually was just digging around a little bit about them, and uh, she has a new album out, a solo album. She worked with a couple of people from other bands, including a guy from the band Thou, which is, like, a super kind of weird, heavy metal band. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really cool. It's much more folky and kind of atmospheric. It's kind of the classic COVID album where she was, like, I think collaborating with people, you know, via email and the internet during mm-hmm. COVID lockdown, and it's it, but it's well worth checking out. She has a her own Bandcamp, so I would recommend uh, checking yeah, it out. Yeah, I definitely will. Um, this was a song and an album that it got a lot of play because I think it came out just before I moved back to Minneapolis, and then it was they played the Triple Rock, um, R.I.P. Uh, in 2016, just a week before the election in 2016. And I was like, I'm finally going to a rock show on my own. This is the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, and then, of course, the Triple Rock closed down not way too long after that, a couple years. Yeah. But it was a sick, sick show. Oh, my God. People were really into this group. Yeah, I like this bridge a lot. Good one. The bass work God, is This is so a good wild. band, man. These guys are really good. I, I kind of I'm it, mad at myself for forgetting about them. Of of everything that pulled in this shuffle, this is the band that I'm going to go back to the most. I'm just going to yeah. listen from all because they started like almost 20 years ago or something, right? Maybe longer. No, wait. No, like 15 this... years, I think. I think their release was probably oh, five, yeah, six, something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. The riffs cannot be beat uh, on Ripe by Screaming Females. I know. Uh, we probably listened to most of the, the whole song, but it's, it was a good one. It um, is a good I one. I was super... Thank you, Jason's iPod. This is great. Good band. I'm giving it a kiss for you. <laughs> All right. Where do we head from here? Uh, taking Back Sunday. Make Damn Sure. All right. Here and it's one word, three caps. Make Damn Sure. Yeah. Very... This is one of those bands I definitely, I think, I feel like it, did they have a more popular song than this? Probably. This is, this is kind of the one, honestly. Oh, this, really? is, this was their first mm. mainstream hit. Uh, mm. I was going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, from 2005, I think, this is Make Damn Sure by Taking Back Sunday. You've got this new head filled up with smoke. And I got my veins all tangled close to the jukebox bars you frequent. The safest place to hide. 
this song has at least among my generation of like kids who were not popular enough to be cool and not like nerdy enough to fit into that crowd either kind of just like the emo wannabe kids like a like mr Brightside levels of of cultural saturation this song has okay interesting yeah, it is it was hugely popular it's obviously very catchy uh pretty emotional yeah, yeah. See what's that about break you down? Who's he breaking down? Uh, yeah, is it's, it like it's, a woman or like? Emo, I, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that it comes from somewhere, but it's the emo thing of like, if it's vague enough to apply to any little you yeah. know, depressed kid's life, it will make a hit. Uh, it's what most of my chemical romance built a lot of their music on. Yeah, some of this stuff I get a little. I, I imagine this. My one antennas would get up a little bit on some of this emo stuff. It feels a little like I don't know. Do you remember um, the band Brand New? Kind of in the same uh, sphere. I mean, I know enough. Isn't that? Aren't they one of those emo bands that like have they been canceled? Problematic. Yeah, probably. Really uh, bad. I, yeah. I know. I know that the members of this band and the members of that band kind of had feuds over the years, and they were like, sort of like <laughs> they would. It would. It would get headlines <laughs> to, and all. Does he could be the biggest like bitch or what? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, uh, there is. I want to get to one part of the song. It's after the bridge. Uh, it's for the chorus, but like that, the where it breaks, where the drum just fills real quick, and before the chorus hits back in, I'm gonna scrub through because like it. That is that was a spiritual moment for people like for kids like me. I think this is it. Yes, right after he vamps up to the um, okay up to the chorus here. It's okay. so in in retrospect, it's so artificial sounding. It's so like way too clean to like feel really punk or rock. But that, I promise you, headbangs left and right. <laughs> oh, you know, sure. yeah, yeah. Dri- driving drummers uh, and everything. Yeah. Okay. I looked it up. Brand new frontman Jesse Lacey confesses mm-hmm. to serial sexual misconduct. Yeah. Well, hopefully that uh, hasn't happened in with the guys in Taking Back. Sunday, no. Yeah. I, I still enjoy this song I quite just, a bit. I just remember like brand new. I was like, oh. yeah, yeah. If they raise Which your hackles, isn't, I don't for think it's reason. uncommon in the emo field. Unfortunately, um, it's that, not. Like, it's like when I hear a black metal dude is like has some like played at a politically murky like festival in like Poland or, or something. Or how and, like, Mighty Boston's guy produced an anti-vax anthem or whatever. Oh, you did, did you hear about really? that? Yeah. Wow. Like I soft canceled. They were going to come back and then oh, they just sort of dived back into obscurity again. No, I think they kicked, they kicked him out though. Oh, did they? They've continued yeah, as a band just without dude, him. Yeah, I don't. I think he wasn't like the main. He wasn't like Dicky, mm. the, the main tough guy. I don't know. They just probably grabbed a bouncer from a bar in like Boston, <laughs> and just like it, he fit in seamlessly. Um, but right. uh, well, okay, was, Taking Back Sunday. Like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, you don't need to I, lie. I know. I know you didn't enjoy that song. But. Yeah, there's just something about some of that emo stuff feels kind of resentful in weird ways. Yeah, yeah. kind of. I mean, which is what it's for, you know. Yeah. Of, I mean, I mean certainly. put yourself in the mind of a 14 year old oh, who totally. was 14 Absolutely. in 2007 yeah. or whatever, you know? Absolutely. Totally. Um, here's another, and this band, I guess, would be Screamo. Yeah. I guess. I'd, I I'd properly categorize them <clears throat> as Screamo. Yeah. Scrams. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, they definitely scream and they have mm-hmm. emotions. Um, this band, <laughs> this was a big deal. This band was a big deal for a minute, uh, especially this album, Burn Piano Island Burn by the Blood Brothers. Um, were you a, a big fan of these guys back in the day? I mean, a, they got a lot of hype back yeah, then, for sure. I remember them. Like, I wasn't on the beat of music journalism or whatever, so most of what I was listening to was like recommended or through forums or whatever. Um, and this was just one that came across my feed from 
my feed, I say, as if I had a feed when I was like 15, but uh, came across, you know, whatever forum board I was trolling. And uh, yeah, I decided I was just going to download two of their albums, this and oh, I forget what else. But this is the one that I actually came back to again and again and again. And this was like, this, I think, informed a lot of my interest in heavier music later on because it's very like chaotic. It's, you could almost say there's some like prog metal in here just because of how loud and wild and like switchy it is. But yeah, it is like an exemplary Blood Brothers song, I think. It was a real kind of serendipity that it pulled this one. Fucking's Greatest Hits is the title, which is very like, <laughs> that's a classic kind of that era song title as well. Do you, were you too young for Buddyhead? I guess so. What is that? It was this really like caustic, like kind of punk rock blog. Um, I can't remember the dude name was Travis that from, uh, was it Dillinger escape plan or was it, Hmm. I don't know. They were like super just blood brothers reminds me of that year. It was just like, they did just a lot of crazy shit. Like they not blood brothers, but the guy that ran it, like Mm -hmm. they played at the hard rock in Austin Mm -hmm. and he literally like, broke the case that had Stevie Ray Vaughan's guitar. Oh my god. And like took it out of the case and like (laughs) literally was like chased down the street by like a mob of angry like Austonians, you know? Um but I don't know. It was just this era of that kind of stuff just reminds me of like that. Just acting up, man. It's just music for acting up. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's let's play it. Yeah, this is like I forgot what this stuff sounded like. It was kind of funny. Like it's so all over the place. All right, here we go. I never did see these guys live, but they were really crazy. I can't imagine. They, they, you know, I wonder if they were big fans, like, at the drive-in, like, I, the guys that see, became Mar- Mars Volta. I didn't pay attention to who was in this band when I was listening mm-hmm. to it, you know, years ago. For this, I went back, and I'm like, is that the guy from Mars Volta at the drive-in? Because it's that closely, like, that eh, plastic That melodic sound. thing. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear the new Mars Volta song? No. It's kind of interesting. They're almost going in, like, a pop kind of disco direction, in a way. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. I was kind of intrigued by it, just because it's sort of not what I expected. Yeah. Um. Uh, what do you yeah, think? About- I love that, like just that herky jerky shit. Like- yes, yes. This this song feels like my nervous system is shutting down. Um, some of the lyrics in here: uh, ring out <laughs> the gong again, carve out his, carve out this him in skin. When they've pissed between every bed of your every sheet of your father's bed, those tears have barcodes waiting to be scanned. And when they've hurled every gutted couch cushion from the living room to your father's swimming pool, you're bobbing chlorine apples. In the broth bucket of Envy's gruel. <laughs> wow. A rough bucket of Envy's gruel. Uh, the broth bucket. Can you imagine? Ugh. Uh, wow. I have no idea. They put, they're putting a lot of effort into lyrics that I literally don't... I don't think it ever occurred to me what anything was in a Blood Brothers song in terms of like what he was saying. It was just kind of like... Never- <laughs> but, I mean, they put a lot of effort. I mean, they put an effort into it. Yeah, that's those are rocking mean, phrases. But you need to, I hope they had a, a lyric sheet and CD back then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is, man, this shit was fun, man. Like, it was just so. What a time. Yeah. This I suppose a- they probably spawned a lot of stuff. I'm sure there's still a bunch of Screamo stuff. But oh, yeah, I, yeah. The thing I would say about the Blood Brothers, which I was never a huge in the stuff that was at least marketed as Screamo, but like, they had mm-hmm. a certain chaotic and kind of not, I don't say avant garde because they were still a normal rock band, but mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. just sort of a very um, spastic kind of. Uh, 
yeah energy to it yeah, or whatever if you if you enjoy this uh there's a band i think that came a little bit later called pulled apart by horses that sounds a good bit like this kind of screams grams a little bit poppier in some ways but uh not annoyingly so not quite emo uh yeah i shouldn't be i should be more generous because like i you know there's certain stuff that's just an age, you know what I mean? But eh, stick to your guns. I don't know. Man. There's this. There's something about the emo scene that just rubbed me like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, it's like some mm-hmm. undercurrents that I didn't love. Yeah. Well, some of them panned out. <laughs> some of them didn't. Yeah. Some of them did. Yeah. <laughs> some of those checks did not clear. Uh, okay. Well, it sounds like I've got one song left by my count, right? Yes. This is a a big one. Biggie. This is a, a classic rock stable, though not from the artists that wrote it, who we're going to listen to. Right. This is All the Young Dudes, the da- sorry, David Bowie's version of All the Young Dudes from the 1974 record David Live. I think if Wikipedia is correct, his first live record came after Aladdin Sane, but before Diamond Dogs because he was on the tour promoting Diamond Dogs. Um, yeah, I listened to a lot of Bowie and he ended up on my iPod. So uh, let's just get into it. Oh, interesting. Oh, so he's kind of moving into like his young Americans, kind of the plastic soul era, exactly, thin white Duke exactly. kind of stuff. Yeah, like this is a slightly more soulful version of the song than you'll usually hear. Now, Billy about a suicide. Oh, wow, that's like a doo wop. Mm hmm. Oh, that's speech. Don't want to stay alive when you're 25. Zeus is stealing clothes. It sounds, I love this version because it sounds so much more matured. I would have assumed this was being played in like the 80s or 90s, like that he'd been riffing on this song for 20 years. But yeah, this was like almost contemporaneous. Like Motha Hoople released their version in 1972. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Later that year. David Bowie re-recorded a ver- his own version, and then by 1974, he's playing it live. Like he's just completely reclaimed the song. Yeah, it's almost like a Frank Sinatra kind of vibe yeah. to it, or something, or like in the verse. Now it's getting a little bit more rock. But... Yeah, yeah. By the way, man, like I still blows my mind. He gave this one away. I know. I, I, that's like, all I can think about just... when I was listening to it is how you mentioned that it was given away in favor of. Like a far less interesting track on Ziggy Stardust, right? Uh, it ain't yeah, I don't easy, know which one it was subbed out for. Which one? I think you mentioned it that ain't it, was, easy? it ain't easy. Ooh, and this might be really? my, my bad recollection, but I think maybe no, you were like, that... what if they swapped this one out? And I think what you were saying now that I remember is, yeah, what if they'd taken yeah. that song, which is not like distinctly Bowie, and put this one in instead? But he sold this yeah, to uh, Mont the Hoople instead. Probably, yeah, I remember. That. Yeah, it ain't easy. It's fine, but it's just the only one on Ziggy that feels like kind of could be like any seventies rock band, right? Right. It's got that it ain't easy kind of thing. Good song. Uh, good song. It is a good song, but this would have just—I don't know. It just seems like it fed the sort of narrative of like the whole Ziggy started to sing well, but right. I think you also are. But, you're vindicated by time because like it was a Mott the Hoopla classic, and then it became a David Bowie classic too. You know, when it was finally mm-hmm. re-released. Yeah. Shouts out to Mata Hoople, though. They're a good band. They had a lot of really good songs, good albums. Mm-hmm. I saw them live one time with like with about 120 people at the main room at First Avenue. Whoa. Why? <laughs> like people just well didn't give a shit? Or? I don't know. It was just, I don't know if this wasn't well promoted or that just, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a, 
a spinal tapish moment, but you know, Ian Hunter gave it his all. It was still fun. Nice. 120 people in the main room, though. That's it wasn't that's great. Pitiable. Yeah. I like this though. This is totally going to like the young Americans kind of vibe. Um, yeah. Oh, the sax. It's really well mixed too. For I'm always surprised recordings in the 60s and 70s that are from like multiple dates or multiple parts of a leg of a tour that all have like really good mixing. Like you can hear the bass melodies in there. You can hear the sax, the vocals of many vocalists. Yeah, no, it's great, great recording. Um, Dave Live is—I don't know if I've ever really listened to Dave Live. Actually, I should now. I know I hadn't um, listened to much of it since I put it on this iPod. Man, this sounds like a really Lighters great up. way to, to yeah send out your old iPod like. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for one last ride, buddy. <laughs> you carried the news. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. This was a good one. It was the long fade. Not even. Oh, oh, yeah. And that was it. All right. Well, that's all a right. sad pan to my iPod. Uh, he's still around, though. He's still uh, kicking. Might be a little bit newer than yours. We'll see. Yeah. Well, hopefully he the your iPod will keep going for years. Carry the torch. Carry the torch. He will. Um, all right. Well, let's switch to mine, which was again, randomly spitted out. Um, but I was pretty happy with this. The first one, let's travel back to the age of trip hop <laughs> and Mo Wax, Global Underground, Uncle, U-N-K-L-E with periods in between it. Uh, Uncle was a project by a guy named James Lavelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a sort of a trip hop producer, done a lot of different things on this album. This was the first album that came out, and this one was kind of a big deal. Um, DJ Shadow of more of a kind of hip-hop uh, on the American side of trip-hop uh, mm-hmm. was on this. It had a bunch of – this album had a bunch of people. It was kind of an all-star thing. Tom York sang a song called Rabbit in the Headlights. which was like sort of a – not hit, but it was a known song. Mark Hollis of Talk Talk, Mike D of the Beastie Boys, Cool G Rap, Jason Newstead of Metallica. Badly Drawn Boy and Richard Ashcraft of the Verve are on this album. So it's kind of a... Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of this like big all-star kind of trip-hop. It's cool. I This actually sounded really good to me still. It had a really dark kind of vibe to it. Um, but yeah, this is was definitely usually, that. Does it not usually age well, this kind of music? I don't know. I just didn't... It was one of those things I literally hadn't thought about Uncle for so long. You know, you never yeah. know, like, stuff that you liked, but I, I probably haven't listened to this in, like, 20 years. Um, right, right. But uh, I remember digging this this uh, this CD a lot when I had it, and then I put it on my iPod. Mm-hmm. So let's check it out. Maybe I can help you. If I didn't know this was part of an electronica group, I'd think this is a Motown song. That drum loop could is be, just, you know. Yeah. I don't know where they got the drums, but it's, most of this I'd imagine is pretty sample based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So what, what, what's your vibe on this kind of stuff? This, I, I have unfortunately pigeonholed a lot of electronic and uh, trip hop type music into kind of the same rough category as like, I don't know, we've discussed Amon Tobin on one of our previous episodes. We, uh, we just got done covering um, Uyama Hiroto's uh, work uh, with, with Bijan Steven. And it's like, I can sort of comfortably put this in the same bucket as that in my brain just because I don't know all the genres as deeply, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel a little bit bad about that, but at the same time, it's like, if it helps me compartmentalize and enjoy it, I guess there's no harm in it. Um, this, the more I listened to it, reminded me, maybe stupidly, of like, you listen to Krongbin, right? Like that yeah. sort of uh, uh, very like floaty, dreamy, funky thing. This it reminded yeah. me a lot of this. This sounds like uh, Krongbin from twenty years ago playing a house show. You know? No, I could get that. I could see that. Yeah, it's I mean, clearly more it, like like you said. I mean, I'm sure it's, but yeah, it's mostly I would imagine um, samples probably. But you know, mm-hmm. if they're you know that that kind of Thai funk stuff was pretty popular among samplers for a long time before mm-hmm. like. Grungman kind of is sort of doing a revival kind of thing of that, but right. I mean, this is a you know, this dude probably has like literally like thirty thousand records or something like that. You know what right, I mean? So right. I'm sure he was pulling kind of Bottomless, cool samples from all sure. sorts of stuff. Do you know where he sampled the words or vocals from, or is is that original? I don't know. How should you feel when you felt everything you can feel and still feel unreal? Is what Genius said is is being said. Did Genius say who it, it was? No, it does not annotate to, like... No. Mm. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Maybe I can help you. Okay, weird. Wait, actually, somebody, on, left uh, a, somebody left a comment that says that part of this is from the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> the phrase, maybe I can help you, that opens the thing. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I still have never seen that. I okay, actually, I'm on, I'm on uh, whosampled.com. Oh, they have and, that? Uh, it's... it's uh, Sample song called No Class by the Other Brothers from 68. Mm-hmm. Reservation by Leroy Vinegar with two N's. Uh, <laughs> Pre-Dawn Retrospective Chant by the Eclectic Mouse from 69. <laughs> Sounds Birth right. by the Jules Blattner Group, 71. And then The Story of the Faithful Wookiee from the Star Wars Holiday Special, 78. <laughs> so, as I said, when I'm reading off these titles, like this is a super crate digger, like, you know, yeah. beyond belief. I've not heard of any of those groups, and I'm sure they're you know, super obscure, but, but yeah, this, you know, this kind of does fall in, I think, I mean, it's not exactly like Amon Tobin because I think he was much more, you know, programming and sense, yes. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, much cleaner, but you know, the, the, some of the moods of it are definitely similar and it's, you know, yeah. And, um, and it's like I, I, say, I recommend the album. It has some cool, heavier stuff and some different stuff, some more, some vocals and things. Yeah. It is just a whole area of my musical world that I need to like define a little bit, get a better lay of the land before I don't negatively judge it for like being in the same box. I just, necessarily have to put it in another box to like understand it i guess yeah it's kind of like you and emo you know <laughs> exactly I'm, I'm gonna check a new box now i mean you know listen man like i'm not you know i'm, I'm not a you know uh led zeppelin one of my favorite bands we're not uh model citizens by any yeah, stretch of the imagination true. but you know so it's everyone's uh probably got their uh you know got their skeletons yeah exactly yep um all right, well, let's switch to um, this one was cool because, man, this this one kind of bummed me out because I didn't find it on streaming. And of course, so of course I didn't find it on streaming because of the sample clearance issues. But this really brought me back to like kind of the early Wild West of kind of the Internet 
you know, file sharing and music when people would just kind of do stuff and then ask for permission later, basically. <laughs> um, this is a uh, rhyme fest. Uh, he's a rapper out of Chicago. Um, this is dancing machine off uh, a mixtape that he did with Mark Bronson. Who's a really, you know, now super high powered producer in the music biz. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, you know, did stuff with um, Amy Winehouse. You know, he just does tons of stuff. Um, Mark Ronson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was the man in the mirror mixtape by rhyme fest. Um, and it was all using like Michael Jackson samples. Wow. That's, so, that's brave. Yeah. Well, you know, it was the, that was in the era of like, you don't know, remember like MP3 blogs and stuff, yeah, yeah. you know, and like, so stuff would just get out there and then I'm sure it got set down by the estate at some point, but you know, you can still find it. It's still on, uh, you find it out there in SoundCloud or mm-hmm, YouTube or mm-hmm. whatever. But, um, Rhymefest is an interesting dude um, from Chicago. He's still around. He still makes record. I've always really, um, really liked him. Uh, when you listen to him, it's it's important that when people talk about Kanye West and his evolution hmm. um, as like sort of an artiste or whatever he's become or uh, charlatan or whatever you want to say. <laughs> you know, at some one people point, call him a charlatan. <laughs> at, once, at one point, he was actually a really great hip hop artist and, and producer. Um, but... <laughs> A lot of his evolution, though, is is also like who his like ghostwriters are because he's mm-hmm. always used a ton of ghostwriters. And if you kind of think about the old school, like you know the old Kanye, chop up the soul Kanye, mm-hmm. um, Rhymefest was definitely one of his main writers on you know, I'm sure stuff like Gold Digger or that kind of era stuff. Um, and then eventually they had some sort of falling out, um, but you can kind of hear. I don't know. Just listen to it with Kanye in mind. Um, and sort of the kind of, it was a little bit more like when he had a little more of a sense of humor and kind of, I think that came from Rhyme Fest a bit, but this is mm. a, this is just a fun track, you know, based on a classic uh, Jackson 5 song. Great rhythm. Uh, yeah, this is Dancing Machine by Rhyme Fest. Break it down, come on. It's a good loop. They would, would not have thought. Yeah. Yeah, I liked Round Fest. He was sweet. You said he's still putting stuff out. Is he still putting stuff like this out? You know, I've kind of lost touch with him, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. His first album, uh, Blue Collar, is really good. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no. Okay, there's not a lot on Spotify, but I don't know if that means anything. Yeah. Watch it, yeah. It's also the song is almost over. This is very short. Was that an issue with what was on SoundCloud or? I have it, no idea. I don't see. I found on I YouTube too. Was, like it, a, was it short on YouTube as well? Yeah, it was like that was the end. Like it, the oh. file just ends. It like slowly ends, and I found it on YouTube too, and it seems to end that way as well. Anyway, is I that think like we a weird uh, the copyright thing? It's maybe, like maybe it's if you like cut you can have end, eighty-seven that, seconds. Like, yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, but how they justify that stuff, like, you know, we cut off the last 30 seconds, so we made it like a new work of art through <laughs> editing, kind of, you know, but the, people get around that stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, maybe, maybe, but that's what that's the version we can listen to because it's the version we can find, listener. <laughs> yeah. So, what was your take on Rhymefest? That was that was really fun. Uh, I don't I don't know Kanye well enough to compare like you were, but I did enjoy that. That's that's a really good energy to that. Anytime you find like a really good funk or soul sample and turn it into hip hop, does not matter that it's hip hop. I'm into it. You know, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still not the biggest rap or hip hop guy. I just don't know it as yeah. well. But if you mix it with a genre I do know, like you know Motown R and B. Uh, soul funk those kinds of things really that gets me good yeah i remember the mixtape being really fun too i mean it's probably out there on the you know you're on the dark web jason yeah yeah i'm on silk road i can find it <laughs> silk road right yeah yeah, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> silk road mp3s <laughs> yeah silk road dot mp3 is mp3.com still going you could look there oh gee um, i gotta find out uh <laughs> mp3.com this is gripping podcasting by the way looking up I'm websites sorry. live here's going really slowly because it's okay. trying to run well so things. we'll just assume <gasps> it's great it's now like a buzzfeed like oh uh, man yeah just like nostalgia petticoat junction quiz how much do you know about uh, the mighty have fallen whoa should we read 31 very very strange facts about seinfeld <laughs> Oof. so many uh anyway well, we'll just have to get it on cd baby com instead um neil young neil young's our next one uh this is white line so with all neil songs uh there's a certain amount of like a detective trail with it uh neil was just extraordinarily productive in the 1970s i mean i'd say as productive as any songwriter probably of all time uh white line was a song that this is from a bootleg that was circulated under the name the Joel Bernstein tapes, who's a kind of a photographer, kind of weird guy that was in Neil's orbit that taped a bunch of shows hmm. in the mid seventies. Um, it actually saw its official release. It, this is from 76. So he was performing at 76. It didn't appear on an album until I believe 90 or 91 on the album ragged glory, but that was sort of a heavy version was like crazy horse. Hmm. And then more recently we got a well then okay so then this version was officially released under the name uh songs for judy which was sort of a official collection of the bernstein tapes and then a couple years ago neil released he's so mixed up okay there, <laughs> he had shelved an entire solo album called homegrown from like 75 76 okay and there's an acu- then the, uh, the acoustic studio version eventually surfaced on homegrown so um, that's pretty common for Neil. Like he tends to either like stuff leaks out on live bootlegs or he reworks some years later, goes back God. to it. It's, um, really, uh, kind of complicated how he works like that. So yeah. in any case, this is off the available on songs for Judy, not on Spotify because Neil, you know, kind of pulled it over the Joe Rogan stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's out there on different services and, uh, it's a really good song. Jason, what do you think of this one? This one is really good. It is. I have to say, if I had to guess what songs would have appeared on your sh- iPod shuffle, it, it is like an obscure unreleased bootleg version of a Neil, Neil Young song, I guess <laughs> that is exactly mm-hmm. the song yeah. I would have assumed would pull it from your <clears> iPod. Um, I enjoy it. I I every, I don't know why I don't know more Neil Young because every time I listen to him, I find like more to be comfortable with, more to love. I guess. Um, let's let's play a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. 
I think his like country leaning is what sort of put me off from listening to him when I was younger. Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Harvest was the one that everyone kind of yeah. played a lot. And this wouldn't have been out of place on Harvest, really. Mm-hmm. His performance. always on. Yeah. Yeah. He's always on the road, lonely, rolling <laughs> down the road, you know? Uh, I don't know. Neil just kind of, I don't know. It's hard for me to articulate what I love about Neil so much. Like, Yeah. I I wish, maybe we should just have a whole Neil Young episode where you can just go ooh. the fuck off. Because, like, I, I've talked to you about him before and you've sort of elucidated what, what it is, you know, that sticks with you. But I feel like you could talk for a long, long time about Neil. Yeah. There's something sort of like, he makes kind of like trite lines seem kind of like powerful in some way, you mm-hmm. know, and I don't really know why that is. Um, yeah, I, actually, that's a good idea. I have a good idea for a guest for that one as well. Heck so yeah. we'll, let's, uh, let's show that idea. Will do. Um, but yeah, he just has a sort of mournful quality that's kind of like, he's so good at kind of conjuring that sort of like, you know, lonely feeling, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the song that I know probably best from him is is helpless because he performed it with uh the last waltz mm-hmm. at the band's last show or quote-unquote last show right um and yeah like some of these lyrics very pastoral blue blue windows behind the stars yellow moon on the rise big birds flying across the sky throwing shadows on our eyes like in the mouth of a lesser singer like you said be a little trite be a little whatever but he mm-hmm. use it with like kind of this yeah. Very homey, very like weak quality, I think. Like he's not singing belting, right? No, no. I think that's one of the reasons his voice has held up much better than any of his contemporaries as well. That's a good point. I never like, thought he's about that. lost some of it, but you hear a new Neil Young record and it's like it sounds like Neil yeah. still, you know. Um but yeah, this is this has always been a favorite kind of, you know, deep cut. Not now it's a little easier to um access, thankfully, but yeah. um I think at this time it, you know, was pre unreleased. Um, yeah. Tough to get. Uh, no. That was the end of the MP3. <laughs> so, uh, which one do you want to go to next of your remaining two? Let's do the Flaming Stars. Okay. This was a, another band that I kind of forgot about, and then I was like, "Oh, I, I do like this band." Okay, here we go. They're this a long-running English uh, garage band, or kind of garage. Nice. Well, this one surprised me because I actually liked it quite a bit. Here is the Flaming Stars with Ten Feet Tall. Yeah, I love the, it's kind of, there's a sort of, you know, it was a big 80s indie scene in New Zealand, and this sounds very like New Zealand in a lot of ways, even though they're from London. Hmm. Now, is it the like lightness and poppiness of it that you say is a New Zealand vibe? Yeah, and that kind of that Farfisa kind of organ thing, and just the real simplicity of it, um, and kind of an almost naive kind of thing. But I love that just Yeah, it gives me like... It's not, I'm going to raise some hackles when I say it, but it reminds me of when we were talking about Wilco, another band that I don't know as well as I should, like Mm -hmm. just simple lines that build and build and like end up making this tapestry of sound that is really, oh, and his vocals. It's almost talk music. I love that. Yeah. Super, super British. 
Yeah, I was gonna. I think in my notes, uh, he sings very Britishly while the band kind of builds to a fever pitch, and he, and like, yeah, he's just, I don't know, just in a chat, you know. Yeah, she sings very Britishly. It's <laughs> a good. It's a very good adjective. And just like a great, like kind of new wavy guitar line. Yeah, is it's just a great. It is great it's, pop song. It's like pop. It, it's like garage power pop type from the instrumental side and then once he starts singing you're like oh there's no enthusiasm here it's like just very casual power pop in a way i don't know it it this one stuck with me but it's not on an album that i could find i think it's it was um, like a single yeah you can find um i believe there's a greatest hits called gin mill perfume the best of flaming stars mm. um it's on that okay. um but yeah this is a really actually it's kind of funny how you know random shuffle works because this is kind of a, like a, I think a big fan favorite as well. Oh, really? And it wasn't you know like on an album, so it's just weird what you know the thing spits out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This was fun. I kind of I sort of forgotten about this band and made me want to try to dig through those boxes of CDs to see if I could find it. Oh yeah, getting back into CDs, Matt. I have a working CD player for the first time in a long time. Jesus, what well, put it in your lap? I just was like. I don't know. There's certain things now with vinyl is getting so expensive, mm-hmm. like new vinyl. And sometimes I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, I, uh, I went to a new record store here in Minneapolis with a couple of friends this past weekend. I bought four records, I think, and left with like an $85 bill. It was fucking what, nuts. Uh, what store? Disco death. Oh yeah. Down in it's, Uptown, down like behind, yeah, uh, yeah. 26th and, uh, something. How was that? It's a nice store. I mean, it's sort of a, I say this endearingly, hipster combo of they sell records, they sell tapes, they sell coffee, and they develop film. So it's like, oh, all these all these <laughs> okay. very archaic things, all these very like hoity toity yeah. uptown Minneapolis uh hipster things to do kind of kind of is their bag. And they have a great selection. I mean, incredible. Some real weird rarities. But interesting. You, but yeah. you're gonna pay pay for it too. Like they're not selling it uh, at a loss, we'll say. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually I, I drove I've been by there. And I saw the sign. And I was like, "Oh, that looks cool." Yeah, just because you should check it out if you if you're interested in like they don't sort or like stock or catalog a whole lot. So if you're looking for something particular, you might be disappointed. But oh, yeah. if you're just treasure hunting, just digging in the crates, <clears throat> yeah, this is the place. It's Disco Death, right? Disco Death, Death Dis- Records. Okay, cool. Um, but this is good. All yeah. right, let's uh, let's move on to what a delightful one little, last... little rock and roll number. Indeed. Um. Oh. Okay. Yeah. This is great too because this is very um takes me back to the year as well. Vampire Hands. Uh, actually, some some guys I know uh from back when I was in Maps Norway. Um, local Minneapolis band. Uh, I always thought they were really one of the the really good bands of that era. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them. Uh, Chris Bearden from this band uh, has you know been pretty successful. He's in a band called Polisa. Mm-hmm. Um, as a bass player, he's also done some stuff under Invisible Boy. Um, Colin Johnson's done some stuff. Uh, they did an album. He did a, it was an American Cream Band. I think last year put out a record. He did all the vocals on. But these guys were really cool. They had a very interesting approach to music, and they kind of combined like almost some like gothy mm-hmm. elements with like classic rock in a weird way and um, post punk stuff. Um, but I don't know. Vampire Hands was just a very unique band to me. They had a very um, yeah, just kind of interesting approach. Um, yeah, I, it's it's some of my favorite uh, like blues I've heard in a while because it is like 
categorically blues to me, but at the same time, it's like dreamy and psych a little bit. Yeah, get people a taste. Yeah, let's let's do it. I mean. They were one of the only bands I ever thought really had the guts to be influenced by The Doors a little bit. Ooh. Because liking The Doors takes courage, people. Not for everyone. <laughs> Not for the faint of heart. But some of us are made of sterner stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I love And this is Chris on vocals. He has this kind of awesome like falsetto. There was, you know, multiple people would sing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Colin was also a singer. He played kind of a floor tom and did a lot of like kind of rim shots on the floor tom. Oh, sick. Just sort of self-standing floor tom. Nice. Are these guys still playing around in the cities? No. they. This I don't know when Vampire Hands broke up. Probably like a decade ago or something. Mm. Um, some of them, I don't think I'll... Well, Colin doesn't live here anymore. Um, mm. But uh, their, their albums are worth checking out. There's another one, Hannah in the Mansion, that's really great. This is off of Me and You, Cherry Red. Um, yeah, they really evolved over time into... Like different interesting places, and and the other interesting thing I noticed on Spotify is uh you know there's that whole weird like you get picked up by something is like this this uh, song has like two hundred and twenty thousand listens wow. and I think everything else is like a thousand so it must oh, yeah. be on some playlist I guess oh yeah no you're not even kidding it's like two twenty one and then the next biggest one is fifty one fifty yeah damn. But um, yeah, this guy's just super underrated band, and they you know they were pretty popular locally at the time. But um, mm-hmm. I need this to, still sounds great to me. Yeah, I didn't know until I did a little bit of research after listening to this a few times that I I didn't know that they were a Twin Cities band. Um, I didn't know that they were from here because, and it got me thinking like, not to throw out another episode idea, but I think I need to get sh- just talk to you about the Minneapolis sound because because I know that it's not generally considered this, and yet every time I find out about Twin Cities band, I'm like. That is not what I would have called that, you know? Like, yeah, I mean... Like, I feel like people think, if it sounds like Prince, that's the Minneapolis sound. And then yeah. I hear a lot of local groups, and it's like, well, some sometimes, but most of the time, it's like this very wide panoply of sound, you know? That would actually be fun. And it, I mean, the, I, I'd say just the only rules have to be no Prince, no replacements, no Dylan. No do? No no Husker do, no, you know, do yeah. tree, whatever. You know, like, just, agree. or no atmosphere, you know? Nothing that easy. Yeah, well, because people know what that is. No Lizzo exactly. or whatever. You know, like, it doesn't... Telling people about those bands... Is, does Dylan do count? Is this too contentious? <laughs> uh, you know, he's maintained people, a house here over the years, I think. People so. here go nuts for Dylan when it's like, didn't he spend some, like, one or two of his college years here and then fucked off to, to uh, New York? Yeah, he, he accomplished really nothing, nothing of significance <laughs> musically. Um, the only thing is he did record half of... Uh, Blood on the tracks here. Oh, sick. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's always made, I know he's maintained a house mm. uh, in, in the country somewhere north of the Twin Cities. Um, well, but yeah, I mean, no, he didn't. He kind of, I mean, the way it kind of went was he, he fucked off to New York and then he came back a little bit and everyone's like, what happened to this guy? He was like kind of a mediocre dude mm. and now he's like amazing. So <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we, we cling, you know, Minnesota is very provincial. We like to cling to that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't say he's like, you know, Prince obviously was like here. Yes, he had Paisley yes. Park Born here. He was like part of the community. He was, you know, a big sports fan of Minnesota team. So like Prince, I, I see as like, you know, 
being of Minnesota yeah. in a much more Favorite real way. Song. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, too easy. He's not on our uh he's not on our Minneapolis sound episode. Forthcoming. Keep an eye yeah. out listeners. Ear out. Keep an ear out. <laughs> Keep an eye out for something you'll you'll listen to. Um, yeah. Did I miss any? Did we cover all of your songs too? I think we did. There we go. Wow, what a run. Efficient. I, what efficient podcast. I don't know how much time you got, but man, I was stunned breaking out this iPod at just what a nostalgic experience it is. And I've used it a few times over mm-hmm. the last few years for like I know I'm not gonna be in uh, you know, service for, for downloading music or like, I just want the experience of going back and listening to what I used to listen to. But I was floored to find that this song, this thing has like 10,800 some songs on it uh, because the shuffle, yeah. you know, shows you how many you've got. And I was like, for some reason floored by that number where I know that there have to be like hundreds of millions, at least on Spotify. I don't know why that doesn't impress me the same way. 10,000 songs on this, on this little 160 gigabyte brick. Impresses yeah. But me. you had to like, you know, that was 10,000 songs that had to get put on that iPad. That is true. iPod, that you know? is true. Like, it, so it, was it was work. Yeah. <laughs> and it is just like, even holding it in my hand, it's like, it's a really great device. Like it feels really good. That mm-hmm. like metal backing, it just, it's so solid feeling. And, you know, I mean, the battery in this one might be dead now, but yeah. Do you know if there's, you know, a- it did work yeah. and the, the scroll wheel still worked fine. No, like, I'm, I'm, I'm also like every time I plug it in because it, I'll go months between and I'm like, it's kind of like when you plug in your old Nintendo DS or whatever, because you're like, is it going to come back to life? Is it going to happen? Yeah. And then you see a little charging thing, and it comes all the way up. And right now, she's sitting at full charge, and I'll probably take her out for a spin later, right after we're done recording, because it's just such a nice tactile experience. You can feel, you can feel the hard drive humming away behind your hand once you click on a song, and it takes a couple of seconds. It's like, man, mm-hmm. this is the same feeling I get when I listen to music, like analog music, uh, just completely digital. You know, it, it's a bizarre transplanting of that experience yeah and it was sort of quirk you know back then especially because it was so much you know file sharing or just downloading like media fire links and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i was just looking at it's it has just a quirky sort of representation of like what i was listening to because like a lot of stuff was sort of like found online or you know some of these bootlegs or whatever and Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just a more personal thing than like you know spotify or whatever you know everyone had their own little library in their pocket but uh yeah it was it was really cool to run across it and i sort of uh i think i have more nostalgia for that era than i i thought i did oh i <laughs> it was a, it was a trip it was a trip okay yeah wow I'm, good, good job yeah. steve jobs good job <laughs> yeah uh Buddy. You, you did me a solid with this one pal um <laughs> Okay, he uh, probably didn't think of it. Probably somebody else at Apple thought of it. He just like talked he was just about really it good at selling it. Yes, he just put out. He just put on the the turtleneck. <laughs> uh, well, hey, hey, uh, listeners, if you've got iPods, uh, let us know. Tell us what shuffles when yeah. you pull it up. I, we're really interested in you know what the community is listening to. Uh, if you hear yeah. this, tweet at us at MinMax Show. Uh, you know, get in the Discord if you're a supporter and uh, tell us what you're listening to on that old bastard. We put out a small poll uh, about iPods and their usage on Twitter today. And I did not get the final count, but it was overwhelmingly people have not broken it out in a long time, but we got a lot of replies that were like, yeah, I still use mine or I've got a new Sony Walkman. And like people are coming back to this, like not quite physical, not quite digital medium of the MP3 player. It seems like in small quantities, I wonder if Gen Z is going to pick up on like all those shitty lipstick uh, tube shaped MP3 players that we used to have when I was a kid. <laughs> you know those things? River, whatever, yeah, I River, God, whatever. those things suck so uh, bad. Yeah, the iPad definitely, or the iPod, why you saying pad? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, iPod definitely was like a huge improvement over early 
Oh, see, yeah. that's the other thing. It's like that's classic kind of Apple. They didn't really think of it. They just sort of like made it cool and better. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and and uh, this does stand like phones don't stand the test of time. I don't think even iPhones will like five years, and you're probably too far yeah. behind the times. Your software is outdated or whatever. This thing still works exactly like the day I bought it. I bought it off a guy in Dinky Town for a hundred bucks when I was an intern, and I didn't have that money, so I went into like cash withdrawal. Excuse me, cash overdraw in my bank to get this and then, it, and then it didn't fucking work and i was like this guy is gonna get he's gonna you know i'm gonna sue him or whatever and i ca- called him up and i was like hey man sorry it doesn't work and he's like oh don't worry i've got another <laughs> meet me at the same place okay, and we wow. just swap and we did and it works perfect nice well yeah. he's an honest uh honest uh honest secondhand <laughs> ipod dealer anyway that's Actually, that's you know that's kind of a minor miracle that he was that honest and cool about it. It was. I've had some good experiences with Minneapolis Craigslisters. Not to say, hey, all you Craigslist weirdos come here, but yeah. Uh, how, do you remember how you got your iPod? Was it just retail? Yeah, I think that you know, mine was the sixty gig, which at the time was whenever that came out. And I think Andy probably had one. You mm-hmm. know, Andy usually got all kinds of gadgets right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Reiner had one, so I probably was just like a year late on it or whatever, but yeah, I think I just went to Best Buy or something and I was just decided I wanted one. Nice. Nice. So, but yeah, it's, I'll be, so it was a fun little trip, man. Yeah. It was a good, good time. I'm going to spend some more time trying to fill the remaining like 50 gigs of this thing that must still be around after I put 10,000 songs on it. But that's another tale for another day. Yes. And, uh, you know, as Jason said, if you want to support patreon.com, Slash Minmax M I N N M A X to support, and you can uh, yeah shoot us uh, suggestions and things you want us to talk about on the podcast. We always love to hear from the listeners. Um, so yeah, we will uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. This was a lot of fun, Jason. Excellent idea. Thank you. I'm going to try to revive the iPod. We're we're going to take drastic measures to save its <laughs> Let life. Let me know if I can do anything. Yes, and prayers, we'll do. Prayers. We'll do. Thank you. Um, thanks, y'all, for listening, and uh, we'll see you around the bend.